I'm Joe Namath. When I can't play football, at least I can watch football and enjoy my new Hamilton Beach Butter Up Popper. The only popper that butters its own popcorn. Just set the butter here and watch things start popping. It's so automatic, I never have to scramble around. And to me, that's important. The new Hamilton Beach Butter Up Popper. It makes great popcorn. And there's only one thing I like better than popcorn. Hamilton Beach, Scoville, where great ideas keep popping into our heads. Dave Juskow, 2018 edition, first episode of the brand new year. Never thought I'd live to see the day when I was born so many years ago in the 1900s. So I was watching Star Trek VI this morning. I said to myself, I bet those guys never thought they'd still be doing this in 1991, 30 years later. Well, here we are. The 2018 edition of the Nightfly. We got a brand new thing and brand new stuff and uh, lots of blah, 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 and boo, boo, boo. I've been sick for a couple of weeks, so it's been very difficult for me to put stuff together. But I will tell you what has been going on and all the doings on in the life of the Nightfly podcast with your pal and host, Dave Juskow. Now, for starters... I have a new mixing board. Very exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff. That horrible, horrible little Mexican memo stole back the one that he let me borrow for the past three years. What an asshole, right? What's with that guy? So uh, I had to buy a new mixing board, but but I like it because it's, uh, well, assuming it's working. You know, I don't know how this is going to sound. I'm hoping it sounds uh, the the, the quality. That uh, that we have all enjoyed over the last three years of podcasting, and um, this board is pretty cool. I, uh, uh, I, I who's that fat guy in uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure? He's like, let me show you a couple of the uh, high tech uh, stuff on the bike. Uh, <laughs> it's Francis, right? Let me show you some of the more advanced features. Uh, I was just uh, there's an FX button now, so I think I can. Um, so what is that? Uh, what is this doing? Let's, hello, hello, everybody. I'll just hey, it's Dave. Well, why am I in this barren apartment? It, I bought a brand new apartment, everybody, and there's so much room in it. I just can't stand it anymore. I. <laughs> how you doing? And how about this one? I think. Let's see. I just. Uh, what? What? Did, nothing. All right. Well, let's try this one. Let's see. Is this? Is this doing anything? How's this? Is this? What, how does this work? Is it? Hello? Are we just stuck in the? Yeah. Well, you know how it is. How you hey, doing, everybody? Oh, oh, here we go. go. Oh. oh. Well, this, well, this is it. Wait, wait, wait. I thought you were. Wait. Who's gonna talk first? Wait. Are you gonna talk first? Can you, you just, just not say anything, anything until? Echo. What is happening? This is the worst podcast ever. I don't understand this. Who would need this feature? Hey! <laughs> oh, this is fun stuff. You know? No, 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 no,
Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Dave Juskow, talking to you from my bathroom. And uh, a lot of times when I'm doing the podcast, I say, I'm taking a dump and I've said to myself, you know, I should be doing the podcast from here. Well, here we are. Let me just get the paper to make it official. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not the way we do stuff here. Let's see. Where was that other one that had the, uh, where was that one that had the, uh, oh, where is that? Oh, is this, oh, hold on. Hello. Hello, fellow earthlings. I am Cookie Puss, <laughs> and my ice cream cakes are out of this world. No? Nothing? Yeah, I thought you might like that one. Uh, yeah, well, that was the... Is that this one? Hello, everybody. How you doing? No, nothing. Feeling nothing. I, uh, you know, I got to figure out how it all works. And I'll figure it out all right, but it's exciting, huh? A board with special effect. Wait, now I feel like it's still on. It's not... I feel like there's still an echo. Oh, I know why. Okay, how's that? Okay, we're back to normal. There was something happening there. I don't know how the... I, I, what do I know about... What, I, what do I know about uh, owning a restaurant? I know how to go in and order a meal. You know? What do I know about a mixing board? I don't know. What, what, what do I know how to order a meal? Uh, you know. Getting all psyched up for good fellas, right? So that's the new mixing board, huh? How about that? The new mixing board. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> it's great. Um, no, it is good, and it's lightweight, too, so I like it, so I can, you know, do more remote pieces. Yeah, it's really lightweight, but it's the exact same board, I think, except, you know, with some advanced techniques from... Let me show you some more of the advanced features. All right, Pee-wee. Come on, Pee-wee. Everybody's waiting. Anyway, I haven't been feeling well at all. I feel really good now. I'm having a good time. I'm glad to be back. The podcast, you would never know I was sick, but I was, I have been, I still am, I am achy. I guess I have the flu, but I always have strange ways of getting them. I don't have the flu like normal people. I've had headaches, I've had uh, dizziness, I've had aches and pains, coughing, but no sore throat, no vomiting, not even a runny nose until today when I was just bending down and stuff was coming out. I don't understand what that's all about. I'm hoping that means it's running, it's course and it's over but yeah i haven't been able to leave the house and sarah silverman's been in town and we're supposed to hang out and i'm like i can't i'm like first of all i'm not going out in this it's freezing and i don't even mind going out in the cold i think the cold is fun as long as you have a place where you're going to go to get warm it's not like i want to walk around but um yeah just because i've been feeling so bad i'm like let me just wait till this is over because this hasn't gone away in like a month because this i was feeling this before love actually and that was on december 12th did you guys um Enjoy Love Actually? Did you listen to it a little long? I think it went pretty good. I got to say, we haven't spoken since then. Yeah, we haven't done a live show since uh, before December 12th. So welcome back, everybody. How's everybody doing? I don't think we did, right? I don't remember now. But uh, now it is definitely 2018. It is definitely January. Donald Trump is still our president. And... Uh, He's still hilarious. Everything he's doing is hilarious. Oh, I was just talking to my friend Michelle today. They're doing a woman's march on January 20th. She wants me to help with a poster. I'm like, help you with a poster? I want to put this march. I, I want to get this march out of my face. Of course, it's going to be another instant. Oh, I hope you're going to go past Donald Trump's house again and ruin my day. Thanks a lot, everybody. Stop with your post. In the middle of January, you have a couple of broads are having a protest. Are you guys crazy? You know, this is why you're having so much trouble in the world. Who schedules a protest for January 20th? That's insane. 
if I was a woman and I want to schedule a protest, I would schedule it for May where, you know, girls are, are all dressed nice and everybody looks pretty and they're having a good day. And I'd be like, yeah, you know what? They're very smart to schedule the protest on a beautiful day like this. Because now we're just going to look at you and be like, what's the matter with you? What are you, retarded? What are you doing? Why are you scheduling a protest in the middle of January? Why are you going to buy the one time of the year I figure I got no problem with protests and street fairs and all that stuff? I can get my car out of the garage and you guys got to schedule another protest? Ugh! You know, there's nothing you can do about it. He's the president for the next four years. Why don't you just sit back and relax and enjoy the ride? <laughs> Easier said than done. Oh, God, I'd love to get that. You know, I bet you I could ask Donald. I bet he'd do it. I, would, I should just walk across the street and ask Donald Trump Jr. if he'd do the podcast. I mean, at this point, why wouldn't Donald Trump do my podcast? Like, why wouldn't he do the podcast? He's crazy enough where he might be like, I'm going to do it. I can't do the invitation, so I'm not even going to try it. But he might do the podcast. How about the guy who played Donald Trump in Love, actually? He does a good job. That's, um, I want to say Vin DeBono, but I think that's the guy who produces Full House. That's how much I've lost my mind. No, it's Bob DeBono. And uh, he asked me to do Caroline's with him on Wednesday the 10th, which I might do because he said I could do it as DeMone, you know, from Fast Times, which, as you know, if you did listen to Love, actually, of course I put in. And then Mike DeMone comes up to Alan Rickman's character and says, hey, I'd watch this girl me if I were you. She's a very aggressive girl. And like Bob called me, he goes, you can't help yourself, can you? And I'm like, yeah, I got a problem. I got a problem, and the only way it can be fixed is more cowbell. So I'm just going to go on stage, I guess, and just play Damone while he's Trump and just be like, listen, maybe you just got to relax and realize we should all be very lucky that Cheap Trick has finally gotten into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Am I right? That's all I'm saying here. I mean, we're just having we're having a good time here. We're relaxing. Listen. Hey, can I ask you a question? Before we get, I'm a little parched. You any iced tea? Hey, this is really great iced tea. You know, that girl that's helping you out in the White House, that Kelly, she's a very aggressive girl. Kelly Conway. Mike, why was Natterman doing Rodney Dangerfield? That was so annoying. Oh, well, I'm like, well, I never told him to do that. That's the worst. I can't stop him. It's live. Oh, God, that was so frustrating. You know, how I thought everybody did a very good job. Uh, I was pretty happy this time. I thought Russell Maneev, I thought it was the best job he ever did. I really thought he was doing some really good acting this time. Uh, I'm not just saying it, you know, because I, you know, I have to. No, I, I really was very pleased with his performance this time. I thought Rachel cut it back a little bit this time. You know, she did what I asked her, which was, you know, just don't, don't step over the you know, quote, punchlines uh, because that, you know, don't step over the punchlines and then tell me they don't work because you stepped on the punchlines. You know, like so Judy Gold is like, oh, Dave, maybe you should check the writing. I'm like, you didn't listen. You know, I, I, I know all this stuff's not gold, but I'm just saying if you're not giving it a chance, then it doesn't, don't blame me after you've already stepped on it already. Anyway, I was very happy. I'm glad Rachel was there. Uh, Rachel ended up winning the goddamn office football pool I run. I can't believe it. Right? Well, she came in third. Her boyfriend is making the picks, of course. She came in third. This guy, Peter Voris, who you might know from Spider-Man 2. That's right, Spider-Man 2. You know, I lost... Uh, I was reorganizing all my stuff. You know, I have it all on one flash. I have all my podcast stuff, you know. And I was reorganizing, and I actually deleted, like, three years' worth of stuff that I've... Uh, put together over the years i'm so angry about it and um 
I bought this like software. I didn't buy it, you know, uh, you know, you, you know what I'm saying. Uh, to get it back, and I found it, which I can't even believe it. But it's a, like it's, I don't. I have this mess, so I lost all this, some of this stuff. But I, I, uh, I was able to find this one at least. So. Cousin Cecil, you mustn't think that I'm wicked. If you are not, then you have certainly been deceiving us all in a very inexcusable manner. I hope you have not been leading a double life, pretending to be wicked and being really good all the time. That would be hypocrisy. Oh, of course I have been rather reckless. I am glad. That guy saying that, he won the football pool. How funny is that? Come on, there's nothing funnier than that. that. That's the guy that won the football pool. I am glad. Are you glad to hear it? Uh, I am glad it's to Kirsten, hear it. Kirsten Dunst. Um, in the uh, worst actress category ever. Be, um, <clears throat> let's, besides, I'm not saying that she's a bad actress, whether you like her or not, whatever. Uh, it's just funny in Spider-Man 2, which I think is one of the best movies ever uh certainly superhero wise i think it's a, a really great one and i like the toby Maguire spider-man even though now we found out stuff about toby Maguire, which makes him such an asshole but that all being said i was watching spider-man 3 which is a bag of crap and it's so funny i was watching the ending if you ever see the ending of spider-man 3 now i'll show you that part now in that scene where she says where she forgets her lines it's because she's doing a play i know it's just a movie but i'm just it's kind of funny and i don't know whether they do it as a joke or not but she's doing a play. What is she doing? The importance of being earnest, I think. Uh, she's doing the play, and she sees Toby Maguire, Peter Parker, in the audience. Can't believe she's there. Totally mixes up her line. That's why the guy has to say, I am glad. And so in Spider-Man 3, at the end, she has another job somehow singing at a cabaret club, and he comes in, and then she forgets her words again and then just leaves the stage. I mean, it's like... How is she getting all this unbelievable Broadway and, and stuff if, if she can't even one guy shows up in the audience? Why is she looking out in the audience? My nephew does that. He's horrible. How, how many times has my sister got to tell him, don't look out in the audience for everybody there? He's horrible, yet he still keeps getting all these parts. Oh, my God, it's making me so angry. He's looking out in the audience. He, he's looking at everybody. He's like, oh, let's see who's here. You cannot look out in the audience and concentrate on your acting. Now he's in Once Upon a Mattress at another place. This kid's driving me crazy. He's getting like all these parts. <clears throat> he's having the time of his life. He's tall and he's handsome. It's annoying. Eh, still wouldn't want to be him. But, you know, I'd, I'd like to... Uh, wouldn't be bad looking like Tom Brady going back to school though, or somebody, you know. Orlando Bloom. You know, next time around something. Uh, yeah, I wonder what that would be like. Being like hot going through high school. That's got to be a totally different experience. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, that guy won the pool. Who came in second? Somebody at my office. Then third was Rachel. Fourth was, uh, you know, my Aunt Judy's neighbor, Marilyn. My mother's neighbor, <laughs> Marilyn. And fifth was uh, uh, Sean Smith uh, from the Boston Globe, a friend of John Vitti's, who we're going to talk to today we haven't spoken to him uh, probably in about a year uh must talk to him about the patriots news coming out of boston out of espn uh this week so we'll talk to him 
in a few, uh, I hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas. I had a miserable one, but it was all right. Now, uh, you know, I'm Hebrew, so uh, it's, it's never a good time. Uh, and now listen to this. So Christmas Eve, right? I'm always by myself Christmas Eve. What am I doing on Christmas Eve, right? I don't got to go home. My mom's I'm not with my family. My sister's doing her thing because she's, now she's half whatever. Two-faced bitch. Uh, and then what? What I say? What I say? And then, um, no, because I'm, I'm mad at her. And uh, the reason is, I guess the Saturday before Christmas, she decided, my sister, that we were going to take family photos on that day, which is fine. But I realize her ulterior motive is like, our mom's going to die soon. Let's start, let's start taking some photos. And I'm like, you know what? Elliot, who was my dad, used to do that for years. He started doing that 20 years before my actual grandmother died. He's like, she's going to die soon. I want you to get a lot of photos of her. And I'm like, oh, this is so annoying. So my sister's like bringing that back. It's bothering me. I go to there that day. I'm in a bad mood and I had to walk out. I had to walk out. I don't know what happened. The plans got changed. I was really upset. I hadn't eaten anything. I wasn't feeling well. So I left. I, w- I left, I had a cup of coffee, I came back. My sister was already furious at me. She didn't say anything, she didn't say anything. And I didn't want to be in any of the pictures. And then she was giving me the thing that my dad used to do to me, like, you're not a true member of this family. That's all he would ever tell me. You are not a true member of this family, you're not a, you're not a real member of this family, you're not a family person, you know. That's all he would tell me all the time. My sister was giving me, she knows that that was uncool, and she's given me the same thing Pretty much. But you know what the problem is? I don't feel like a member of her family. I do feel like an outcast. So I was having trouble with the picture. You got to let me do the w- things the way I want to do them. It's just the way it is. Uh, when she asked me to take a picture with her, with her my mom, I, I, you know, I took one. <clears throat> but otherwise, I really just didn't want to be involved. I'm sorry if it messed up her plans, but the whole thing was bringing back very bad memories for me. Of, of, you know, not being a member of the family with my dad and all that stuff. And if she doesn't understand that, then she's out of her mind anyway. So so this is what she does, right? She's like, yeah, you're not a member of this family, all this kind of stuff. We go out for dinner. I can tell she's not looking at me. She's not staring. I, I can tell she's, I know she's angry with me. I know she's angry. Um, so le- last Friday, Aunt Judy had her birthday party at the Prudential Center in one of the suites for the Devils games, which we were all planning on going to because it's Aunt Judy. And uh, Liza drives Dory and her friend there. And, you know, I'm there. My mother's there. Rhoda shows up. But Beth doesn't show up. Beth and Matt don't show up. And I go, what the hell is that all about? And you can see Aunt Judy's upset, but you'd never know if Aunt Judy's upset. She never, she hides it. And who knows what her story is. She doesn't seem to care, but maybe she does. But Beth didn't show up. All those years of free babysitting that Aunt Judy put together made sure that everybody was taken care of. Beth doesn't, can't show up. On her, oh, uh, she just wasn't feeling well. It's completely rude and disrespectful. And so she's doing the exact same thing she was mad at me for to Aunt Judy, who all the time she's like, oh, I feel bad. She gave me all this free baby. Well, here's a way to repay her. Showing up at her goddamn birthday party like she asked you to, you dope. She doesn't show up. I talked to Dory and Liza. You know, I'm like, you know, she's doing the same thing. And they were like, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, you know, because usually I'm the jerk off. But they agreed that I'm right on this one. That was uncool. Everybody else was there. And she was very upset. She was fighting with another friend who didn't show up. She, 
It was very, very upsetting, and I don't think Beth ever apologized. But here's the best part. And, and now you guys will understand even more. So we're at Rhoda's house on the picture-taking day, right? I'm already miserable. I'm just by myself. I'm trying to – I just can't wait to leave. Fo- football's on. I, oh, no, that was Saturday, right? So, well, I think – was there college I, – I don't know. I just wanted to leave. <laughs> I wasn't happy. Couldn't wait to leave. And um, I must have been thinking about something else. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I was thinking of the game, but I, I don't know what it was. I just wanted to go. And they're sitting in there. They're not talking to me. I mean, the kids will always talk to me, but, you know, Beth's angry. And they put on Billy, you know, my kids, the nephew that gets all the parts. He's like, oh, can we put on You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown? You know, the production that I was in that you direct. You know, my sister directed You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, or whatever, even if she didn't direct. I don't know. So they put on a tape of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. But not, I mean, you know, I like show tunes, but... It's not even like, you know, the, the original Broadway Kristen Chenoweth, but, you know, it's just a production of her stupid kids again. So then I got to sit there and listen to her and Dory talk again about how great these kids are. And I got the footage. Praising those fucking kids again. It's unbelievable. It's like And then those were like those two girls that were like on her. Oh, there they are again, talking about five year olds. Oh, then those two girls. Oh, right. Remember how great they were? Oh, my God. They were so. Oh, my God. Who the hell would be able to stand that? I'm already having a bad day. I don't feel well. I just. Oh. Who. That's necessary to... Are you kidding? Who the hell wants to watch that? My God. And then hear their commentary? Oh, my God. This girl's unbelievable. What is, what is she, She's going to be eight this year. She's one of the finest actresses. <laughs> I just took a little bit because I'm like, I can't even believe this is happening again. I mean, you can you know, you can't even hear their commentary as good as it was in the car, of course, because that idiot is singing... Which wasn't that bad, actually. That girl's pretty good. <laughs> if that's the girl I'm thinking of, she's way hot. Uh, you know, now, because she's older. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I'm just sick of the whole thing. I'm sick of it, I tell you. I'm sick of it. So, anyway, uh, you want to laugh in somebody's face. Beth and Dory were planning to run the Princess Marathon on, well, I'm taping this on Saturday today in Disney World. That is... You can run a half marathon inside the Disney park early in the morning before it opens. It's very exciting. It costs some money, but you can run a half marathon. Very exciting. That's Dory's dream, right? Run around the Magic Kingdom early on before anybody does it. I mean, that's pretty cool. Well, their flight was canceled on Thursday because of the huge snowstorm, and they didn't get to go. Ha, ha, ha. Burn. That's what you get. You put the vibes out there. I feel horrible for Dory. But Beth had it coming. 
Uh, that all being said, so I texted because you know I hadn't talked to my sister in two weeks, and I usually talk to her every day. And I texted Dory, and I'm like, "Good luck." She didn't text back because she never texted. I don't know whether she didn't text back because she was angry. I don't know whether she she's like you know a horrible teenager doesn't have a phone. Uh, but then I called my sister on, I guess Thursday afternoon, and she told me the whole story. She picked up because she had been drinking, so she was already drunk, so it was easy to talk, and uh, told me the whole story. Dory was devastated. I mean, that I feel horrible. I mean, that's all. Dory doesn't have anything in her life except. You know, she, her two favorite things, Harry Potter and Disney. And then she's like planning this huge trip. You know, she she does not a normal college kid. So this is all she's looking forward to and she can't go. I, I feel hard. I was like, let's do something. Maybe I can just take her down and we can just hang out in the Harry Potter land for like a, a, a two days. Do whatever she wants. I feel horrible. Meanwhile, on Wednesday. So I was off all week. Uh, and last year when I was off all week, you know, between Christmas and New Year's, I wanted to put a bullet through my head. This year I was like, I'm not going to do that way. I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get a cup of coffee. That'll change everything because I'll get to see the daylight. Very important. Last year I think I slept until 3. It was dark an hour later, and then I just kept falling deeper and deeper into depression. Plus I had plans for New Year's. So I did that. Plus, as you, as you know, I'm working on my comedy album, <clears throat> which just always sounds funny when I say it. Uh, you know, I always want to do comedy in quotes. But I figured that's what I'm going to work on all week. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I told you I was a little sick. So um, so I did. I actually worked on it. I kept getting up, and I was working on it. I wrote a couple of bits, and, you know, I can continue. And it was, and I felt productive, and that was the key. That was the key, feeling productive. And then there's a time where, you know, we could do stuff. So on Wednesday, so on Tuesday, I started doing that, which was beautiful. On Wednesday, I took my niece, the other niece, Liza, who's a normal college kid because I don't spend that much time with her because she doesn't need it as much. Uh, I said, let's do something. So we went out to the diner. So she goes, oh, Dory wants to come because Dory was like shadowing an orthodontist because for some reason she wants to be an orthodontist. And I'm like, no, 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 it's just you and me. I didn't know Dory's trip was going to get canceled. Otherwise, I would have done so. But I'm like, no, no, it's just you and me today. So we go to the diner somewhere far, you know, where she wouldn't normally go. Then we went to the mall and I bought her like a top. <laughs> buy whatever you want because you know at that time of the year I finally get some money I said listen you gotta get it now it's like I always told her I'm like I'm gonna get you a big birthday present if I win at the track so she knows you know if, I'm, if I tell her today's the day you can buy whatever you want it better be today don't turn it down um, and then and then we got manicures <laughs> but we had a really nice day she's a cool kid uh, and listening to her talk about oh my, meanwhile you know she's not getting along with her roommate who she's known from high school and this is a girl that's like single white female stuff she's like been obsessed with Liza since junior high like always dating her boyfriends after she's finished with them and stuff like obsessed you know like she's so obsessed with you she doesn't even realize like Liza's like um she doesn't she doesn't even realize like Liza like really would prefer maybe not to room with her next year you know like she's like hey next year's gonna be awesome right like it's weird like that's how like crazy obsessed she is right and um so anyway, she showed me a picture of the roommate she's going to have next year. Oh, my God. She's so hot. It's ridiculous. I'm allowed to say that she's 18. Going to be 19. She's ridiculous. She showed me a picture. I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. So uh, I know it sounds awkward, but uh, you're allowed to say it when they're 18, right? I mean, you can say it when they're 18, right? That's also bad, too. Screw you. Can't take it anymore. Um but, uh, yeah, we had a really good time. So that was something I could do on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, Atel was at Caroline's. 
So I worked during the day, and then I went to see him at night. We had a good time, went down to the cellar, then uh, went out for eat. So it was like good. And then Friday was the Devil's Game. So I had stuff to do every day. It was beautiful. So it was not a bad vacation. And then on New Year's, we went to that that damn Mexican kid memo. <laughs> we went to his pinball bar run by the, the little person. And uh, I had a good time. It was a good time. I was just glad that I had something to do on New Year's, you know, that I had plans. I think that changed the whole, you know, structure of my thinking that year. You know, when you just, because last year, remember, I did nothing. I was so miserable. But it was fun. You know, we just hang out, hung out there for a little bit. Uh, but I think it upstarted my sickness again because I drank, I smoked, you know, you know, this, that, whatever. But, you know, otherwise my friends, you know, Lee and I were supposed to come. Oh, it's too cold, you know, because it was freezing that day. This cold weather, I mean, I don't usually mind it, but, uh, you know, it's been like zero. And, you know, being sick, it's, well, you know, it's just nobody wants to do anything. But it was perfect. We took the subway there. I mean, it was really freezing. But the subway just dropped you off right in front of the place. And then we took like a taxi back and it was right in front of the place. It was easy. So it was perfect. It was a perfect New Year's. You know, I tell, talk to people all the time, especially if you live in Manhattan. New Year's, you know, it's like the worst time because here in the city, at least, you know, I do. Not as much, of course, but, you know, even the people at my office. We go out on Tuesday nights and we party on random Tuesdays, you know, whatever, till three in the morning, four in the morning. So what do we need to somebody to tell us what day we have to do that? You know, that's why it's the worst. And you just always kind of have a miserable time, especially if you live here. Don't want to be by times with too many people coming in. So you might as well be doing that woman's march that day. It's so annoying. Can't do anything and move around in that area. I've told you for years, I mean, you know, if I could ever work it out, I am planning a, you know, an after show. Well, now it's not going to be as good at. You know, you twenty years ago when there weren't, you know, when there were only thirty stations, I wanted to have a show, you know, that that is a talk show that is on in Times Square, you know, at three in the morning. That's just everybody's cleaning up around me. I got to keep moving out of the street sweepers' way and stuff like that. Now I don't know where you would air it because uh, there's just too much other stuff to watch. Why would you watch anything? I mean, did anybody even watch the ball drop? I mean, we did. I was glad they didn't have a TV. I was like thrilled. I never want to watch that again. There's something uh, makes me messed up. There's, uh, you know, there's always something that's going to make me messed up about annual things. It's why the reason I can't go to Temple anymore. It's the reason I have trouble with uh, Jewish holidays. And, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of where I was the year before and how nothing has changed in my life and things are bad. So until things get better, I just can't, you know, the traditional things like New Year's and, you know, uh, annual things like that just make me, I'm like, ugh crap you know every year i'm sitting here i'm like well you know well next year i'm definitely not gonna i won't be at my job things will change they're not gonna change i mean i've pretty much figured that out now but you know for a while it was bothersome but you know i mean i know i'm gonna be doing the exact same thing next year i know i'm gonna run the stupid super bowl pool where i always lose money or whatever you know it's the same thing every year i'm like every year i say like i'm not doing it anymore and then of course i do it run the stupid football pool up to pay everybody out oh it cost a fortune because you know i Take money from the pool all year. It's horrible. But I think I'm all finished paying everybody. I don't even want to look into my bank account because I paid the bills and everything and everything's done. I have no much I have no idea how much I have left, but I know it's over. I mean, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I gotta come up with a plan. Like everybody, you know, at this time of the year. But the worst part is, you know, I've been sick, so I haven't been able to plan anything. Like I, you know, I was so the podcast was working. We were getting guests, I was scheduling stuff. And then, you know, I've been this past week, I'm like, all right, let's get it going. But I just can't get it. I can't get, I can't 
seem to schedule anything yet because my head's not right. It's been like light and I've been shivering and weird and it's all right. But, uh, you know, this week I'll, I'll try and get it all together so we can start having, you know, back on track. We were doing so well, you know. I mean, I love doing these, you know, where I'm just by myself, uh, especially in the beautiful daylight just overlooking the city. Even though it's cold outside, it's nice and cozy in the Dave Juskow Studios, the Nightfly Studios. Everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? But I, um, uh, thank you, right, exactly. All right, so um, how about this? Before we get to the uh, other uh, news and stuff we have to do, why don't we give John Vitti a uh, ring right now, and uh, I'm going to get him on the line right now. Uh, hello, Mr. John Vitti for the Boston Globe. How are you? Good morning, Dave. How are you today? Yes, I am fine. Thank you so much for... Uh, dialing in i had a couple of uh well you know i always talk to you at this time of the year for sure let alone when you come down to see the, the lovely show so what's the matter with you don't want to come see love actually you don't want to see the gay stuff greece and love actually you got plenty of time to see the godfather you sissy uh, uh, <laughs> what's the matter the, the great american musicals have uh lost their spell on you i'm sorry i was waiting for Godspell and i was waiting for hair well, they're all coming. They're all coming. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, don't think, you know, that's what Noam wants to do, but I, I said no. Remember, <laughs> I told you he wanted to do The Sound of Music, so uh, <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know if I can get Natterman to play Von Trapp, so, uh, I mean, it would be kind of funny, I guess. Oh, he'd be fantastic, Von Trapp. He actually would be, wouldn't he? That's the yeah. funny thing. Um no, I was calling today because, you know, uh, I was talking the article on ESPN about the Patriots and the rift between Belichick and Brady and Kraft. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Yes, I've heard of them, yes. <laughs> but my question was, um, how come the Boston Globe didn't pick up on this? Why does ESPN get the scoop? And, and if Wait. it's a scoop at all. <sighs> if there's any validity to it. I don't. I don't think it's a scoop as much as it just has a different national audience. Uh, and people react differently to ESPN as they would to a New York Times or Washington Post story. So we've done stories over the years on all three of them, and including on Guerrero. Um, but it just doesn't have that same type of resonance where a national media outlet does something. You just get a different spin on it. You just get a different... Uh, uh, reaction from the world about it. Do you think there so, is validity to it, though? Yes, because I think there's anytime you have people working together for so long, you're going to have cracks and fissures and people who don't like other things people do. So I don't think it's, I don't think, I think it's unique that it's lasted this long without these problems. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm talking about people uh, in not, case I'm, I haven't told my audience, in case you. Don't know. There was an article uh, at ESPN. What's the guy's name? Wicker Wickersham or something? Or... Wickersham, yes. Uh, came out with an article yesterday that everybody is talking about, which has some sort of rift. That, and it all has to do with uh, Garofalo, right? Um, with the guy who went to the 49ers to be traded. And, um, and apparently Tom Brady, the story is that he was very angry because this guy's looking over his shoulder and he went to Kraft and he said, I want to trade him. And Belichick said no. And he traded him anyway. And because Brady went over Belichick's head. So there's a big thing. But what I think is that I have two theories. Number well, number one, I do believe this might have happened. But number two, I believe that football people are very superstitious and that 
I think because of what happened last year with Deflategate, that that presented so many problems for them, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl, that they came up with another plan to put internal struggle. So that's how they win Super Bowls now, is have all this (laughs) internal stuff. It has to be us against them. There has to be some sort of... Well, it uh, seems to work. (laughs) It seems to work. Um, Plus, you know, with Brady, and you know, I've had this theory for after the Super Bowl, and you know, I told you I've just changed, you know, screw the Jets. I'm all in on the Patriots at this point. I mean, why, why be in on the why be on the losing side? All these, who needs it? I just want to win money. The Patriots want to keep winning. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind after the Super Bowl that Tom Brady actually, you know, for so many years being a Jets fan, being a hater of the Patriots and Tom Brady, and I'm saying you know this. No offense to you at all. Um, you know how the rest of the world views the Patriots, but um, you know. I hated when they say Tom Brady's the best of all time, that, you know, Belichick's the best coach, because I'm like, no, but you're taking away from, you know, uh, Joe Montana and all those people. But after this past Super Bowl, there is no doubt they're both the best. But you can doubt that Belichick has some cracks. You rem- In the Super Bowl last year, Belichick's plan didn't work. So Tom Brady had to go, I'll handle this jerk off. <laughs> so maybe he's just like Bill, Bill you have no idea what you're doing I'm going to go to Kraft I'm going to get rid of this guy myself because I'm going to handle this for now Bill Belichick's initial plan didn't work that's why they were losing 28-3 to and then Brady just said I'll take it from here jerk so I mean I'm I'm fascinated by that whole team they truly are the best that's ever played and Tom Brady is crazy he's um, clearly you know I was going to say he would Make a deal with the devil. People can say that. You know, you're good looking. You're married to a supermodel. But the problem, there's no way he made a deal with the devil because if you made a deal with the devil, you would actually enjoy your wealth and accolades. I don't think he enjoys any of it. <laughs> I, 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 he is, he, the three of them are, are unique, um, more so Belichick and Brady. Um, the... My theory with with Belichick, Belichick is the, the key to this whole thing for me because Kraft is an owner and, and, and Brady is just a unique talent, uh, kind of like Derek Jeter. You know, he's just a unique talent who is a winner and whatever he does, he does it the right way in, in terms of winning. Yes, but Derek and, Jeter at least is, he used to enjoy his wealth and he used to date a lot of pretty girls and go out. Brady doesn't enjoy any of the wealth. You know, he's got a, he's got a steady... You know, like it's just it's, it seems like a waste. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But but Belichick to me is is he is um, he is Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men to me. Um, I think Belichick. The way it works for Belichick is he has his, his own plans and schemes and strategies and he knows what works and he's got it all figured out and he can't tell us. And he is. He is somebody who, when he retires, when he's on his rocking, when he's on his rocking chair on his front porch, when he's eighty-five, when he writes his book, he's dying to tell us how stupid we are, and he's dying to tell us how he finagled this and that, and how he did this and how he did that and how he did this and how he schemed everybody and scammed everybody and worked all the angles. But he can't do it while he's playing right. and while he's coaching because he's going to screw it up. So, for example, if let's say, for example, I wouldn't put a pass Belichick. If 15 years ago he he screwed with the field goal posts at, at Gillette and one of them is a foot and a half shorter 
than the other one. And he knows that. And he and no one's ever checked it, and he knows no one's ever checked it. And so he has it a foot and a half uh, less wide so that the other team's going to miss that much more often. Like, those are the type of things I think he has figured out that he can't tell us now, but he wants to tell us. Um, but what do you think? But right now, do you think he is so, disenchanted with the owner? And do you think there's any possibility he actually would leave next year? Let's say they don't win the Super Bowl, that he leaves and retires or goes to the Giants. Uh, I think, well, here's the question we were talking about the other night at work was um, at the Boston Globe, America's sports paper. Uh, What we were talking (laughs) about at work was between Belichick. Okay, Kraft isn't going anywhere. So between Belichick and Brady, are they going to finish their career in New England or finish their career somewhere else? And would it be both stay here, both leave, or one leave, whatever? And um, I think Belichick would go somewhere else in a heartbeat. Um, I don't think he has, I don't. I think the three of them, Belichick, Brady, and Kraft, have a, a, a healthy disrespect and working relationship for each other. They're not sewn at the hip, they're not all in on the other person. They appreciate and use and work with the other people around them. So if Belichick says, you know what, I'm going to go to Cleveland, I'm going to go to the CFL, I'm going to go to the Giants, then he's going to just up and go. And it's not going to matter whether they have a better deal in place or, or more money or more control. He's just going to go because it, it, it's what he wants to do. And I think, he, I think he enjoys the process of building and coaching. And I could absolutely see him going back to the Giants. Mm. If his if his star quarterback, who's you know is the shit, uh, but he's thirty nine, he's just planning for the future like any right. normal person would. But right. unfortunately, Tom Brady's not a normal person. He's some, right. he's not even human. <laughs> that's what that's the part he didn't take into consideration. Which is so funny. After all his scheming is brilliant, he was he never took into consideration that there could be a human being on this planet who's already forty who's planning on playing another ten years. Like any normal person, Brady should be pretty much done by now. Exactly. Like Manning was two, three years ago, and so, and then Belichick finds himself with the guy. With yeah. Seemingly. Exactly. Garoppolo, right. So you can't. You, being, right. You can't blame Belichick. He's like, no, he's right. already forty. It's over. Yeah. So, so, so Belichick has Garoppolo. So he's all set up. Yeah. And then, well, you can't just dump Brady. He's Tom Brady, and Brady's not going anywhere because he's winning and he's playing at MVP level. Yeah. Thank so God they. Unlike that idiot McAdoo who didn't seem to get. But, you know, this does happen before. I was thinking uh, when the Packers had Aaron Rodgers on the bench, they pretty much, they just got, they took a chance and they got rid of Brett Favre in a bad way where people were pissed, but it worked out. They got lucky. Uh, McAdoo is just a jackass. You know, don't don't do it with like two games left, asshole. You know, the the one of the greatest quarterbacks, at least for that franchise, the greatest quarterback. Sure. And you know, when you dump somebody who you have to because you know you can see the cracks in the armor, you know, just be smarter about it. So obviously, Belichick's not an idiot. You know, nobody's going to do that to Tom Brady, but just preparing for the future is a really smart idea, which you could do. But again, Tom Brady's just so not human. Was- <laughs> yeah, so Belichick, so Belichick had lined the franchise up with ten more years of great leadership in, yeah. in Garoppolo, and then Brady just didn't get any 
didn't have still playing at an MVP level. This isn't even the best Patriots team, and they're already number one seed again already. It's fascinating. Do you think they're going to... Are they going to win it all again? Is there any reason they shouldn't? Because you look at the defense, and you look at many of the players, and it's you and me playing linebacker. (laughs) But yet... Yet they win. They shouldn't have won the Steelers game, but they did, and they shouldn't have beaten. There's all these games. You look at the team and go, "There's no way they should win this game." Right. But you give them so much credit, and you give them so much points for being the Patriots, and then they go and they win the game. Yeah, it's fascinating. This isn't a 14 and 13 and three team. This is a, a very nice 10 and six, 11 yeah, and five team for normal teams and normal human beings. But he uh, and, somewhere he made a deal with somebody, not the devil. Uh, <laughs> so that whole franchise did, and you get to uh, reap the benefits, you rat bastard, <laughs> you and your whole anti-Semitic town. <laughs> but I have, I, have a, I have a great bit of, of of something. I have nothing to I have nothing to pin this on, but I love the scheme of it. Uh, the reason why that Belichick sent Garoppolo to the Niners and not the Browns, where he could have gotten better picks, is because he knew, and this is all just a theory. Is that he, if he sent him to the if he sent him to the Browns and got the better picks, then he would have lost McDaniel's or Patricia, who would have then went to the Browns and become their head coach. And now that team lose gets gets um, Garoppolo and a head coach, and now becomes a better team that will beat him. But by sending him to the Niners, it's not going to be as tough a team. It's not going to be a tough a team, and so he can ship him over there to the Niners. He won't get as much, but he won't lose Patricia and McDaniel's there. And by shipping him to the Niners, which is Tom Brady's hometown team, Tom Brady can't go to the Niners. Oh, fascinating. Wow. So, he, so that's kind of his <laughs> Makes a lot of sense in his mad scientist evil ways, but obviously yeah. very smart. So he's, not, he's never picking something out of a hat, just willy-nilly. All right. Well, John, thank you so much for being our guest this time of the year. Maybe we'll probably talk to you before the Super Bowl again, since the Patriots will probably be in it. And there's nothing we can do about it. We're just living in their world. And uh, thank you for taking your time out today to talk to me and us. My pleasure, Dave. John Vitti, everybody. And uh, what a delight he is. Very interesting stuff. Uh, always a joy to talk to Mr. Vitti. From the Boston Globe. Um, now, there in the, uh, the there was a woman who. <laughs> we're we're going to begin this. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going to tell you two things. At my office, this is messed up. They uh, made a position for a new CEO. That's a chief executive officer. Uh, she was very nice, but I didn't. She was getting on my nerves. She was really getting on my nerves. And she was going to put in these new things. Now, you know, at my office, I I pretty much have it made in the sense that I don't have that much to do. I can work on my scripts. Uh, you know, I get my job done and I do a good job at what I do. But I do have a lot of downtime and it's lovely. But lately I've been trying to help the, the marketing staff or whatever when I use my downtime. So I use it whenever I'm asked to do something, I'm, I'm there, you know. But this lady was going to change everything. You know, she came in all guns blazing. She's like, you know, I see this Dave Jessica sleeping at his desk. He's watching movies. I think we got to use his downtime and everybody else. I think we got to make some changes. And I'm like, uh, I think I got to get rid of this lady. This is horrible. What is this whore coming in? She's going to fix everything. No, you don't need to fix nothing. Everything's fine. Listen, you. Been here 20 years. I don't need your nonsense. 
Then we find out she's going to make us also work on weekends. Like, she, you know, going to have to be on call on weekends. I'm like, what the hell is, who the hell is this woman? You know? Then we find, you know, we have a party like once a month on Friday for everybody's birthday. And she's like, no, we're not having chicken wings anymore. What? What? Excuse me? Did you just tell Dave Juskow he's not having chicken wings? Think about this. Think about this. She did the ultimate. There's no more chicken wings. We can't. No, we have to have a healthier selection. There will be no more cookies. There will be no more ice cream cake. This is what she came. She was doing out of nowhere. Let alone she kept annoying. I was talking to people about work and she would just interrupt like, hi. And I'm like, I'm actually working, you nut job. I mean, this woman, uh, you know, I was talking to people. I'm like, we, we got to find a way to get rid of this woman. We got to get rid of this woman. This is not going to work out. And I told, I told my other boss, I was like, she, she ain't going to make it past you know, New Year's. Don't worry about it. She ain't going to make it because I can already see people are. People don't like new ideas. You know, nobody likes, especially this firm, they don't like new ideas. I think we're still doing billing, you know, from uh, parchment paper from the 1700s. They don't like to make any changes. They don't like to make ways. So I'm like, well, we got to do something to get rid of this woman. Anyway, um, she died. About <laughs> I know it's, it's not funny, but it is funny. She died like two weeks ago. She, she just died. And they told us. And I was like, what? And then, you know, like a couple of weeks later, it sinks in. I'm like, well, you know, I mean, man. I know it's horrible, but it's, I mean, I, you know, things were getting, yeah, you know, it's very much like Seinfeld, you know, like, well, uh, so, uh, so you're not getting married. No, no, I guess, um, hey, what can I say, you know? (laughs) When my dad retired, there was a firm called Brown Harris Stevens. I think they're still around. They were trying to take away suing the division that he worked for called Warnico or Warners, trying to take away his pension. Not personally, but trying to take away everybody who'd worked 30 years pensions because they were a bag of shit. The kind of law stuff that people hate lawyers for. Brown Harris Stevens. And that company all perished in 9-11. They had a place in the World Trade Center. So, what am I supposed to feel bad? Trying to take away my dad's pension. You know what I'm saying? They don't tell you those stories. A lot of assholes in that building, too. They They don't remind you of that story. They don't remind you that Hitler built an unbelievable transportation system that still runs to this day in Germany. Now, they don't tell you about the good parts. <clears throat> because, you know, it's fucked up. But uh, somebody's got to say it, you know. So, you know, for uh, in lieu of uh, what's happened at the office, I... Uh, I uh, you know, took a nap for about a half hour yesterday. Uh, I was exhausted. Let's face it. I've had a rough week. And uh, nobody bothered me. It was fantastic. It's like the old days. It's not like the old days when we could do whatever we wanted. After all, we're not communists. <laughs> Am I right?
<laughs> anyway, I bring it up because um, this woman, uh, <clears throat> one thing has, well, kind of a, this woman, Sue Grafton, have you ever heard of her? She died at the age of 77. She was a mystery writer. And you might, you probably know her stuff. I mean, I've never read one bit of her stuff, but it's funny. I remember they call her the Alphabet Mysteries author. Because you've probably seen her books. If you've ever been into a Barnes and Noble, you see it out in the window. A is for alibi. You know, P is for pencil. You know, that kind of stuff. So it started in 1982. And I remember when I saw it, you know, in the late 80s when I figured out that, oh, this woman's writing alphabet books. I'm like, you know, that's so stupid and brilliant at the same time because she'll always have a job because she can do the whole alphabet. You know, it's so it's brilliant, but also like so obvious. But apparently she admitted she's like, well, I was kind of looking for idea like, but we, here's just what I want to say before I get into the the whole crux of what I'm going to talk about today is that she uh, her last one that she wrote in August came out and it's called Why is for Yesterday. Do, do you see where I'm going here? She, she never got to Z. She died just before she finished the fucking alphabet. Man, that is the worst. That's when you, uh, it's like, uh, it's almost like when Moses died before he could see everybody free. <laughs> like, it's like God is playing a gag on you. He's like, no, nah, wait a minute, though. I'll give you till why, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull you up. You've had enough. You've had your fun. Oh, that sucks. I mean, it doesn't, you know, she doesn't know any better, but I guess, well, she probably was dying, so she's like, oh, crap. Oh, come on. She should have written two at the same time just to make sure. Yeah, so, so there won't be any Z. Z is for zebra. <laughs> no, I don't know what some of the other titles that they have. No, I don't know. But, uh, so anyway, I was thinking, uh, well, I should write it. I should talk to her family and be like, hey, listen, I'd like to finish it off. Like, oh, you are, you're a mystery writer? No. Don't worry. You think I can't write a mystery called Z is for Zebra? Don't worry. I'll take care of it. I mean, I don't know what she was going to call it, but I'll call it. What, what else do you want to call it? Meanwhile, her, her book, uh, you know, did, did, wait, did I write some of these down? No, I thought, I thought maybe I wrote some of her books down because I noticed she had like, a, you know, she didn't have one for X. She just called XX. That's lame. X is for X-ray would have meant a really good one, I think. But I remember those because she had them, and I remember people were reading them, like, and I'm like, oh, that's surprising. And, yeah, they measure, but I'm like, but it's so obvious. But uh, anyway, she came up with the idea for these books by John. Is it John McDonald? John D. McDonald's title's reference. Oh, no, no, no. It's Harry Kellerman. Yeah, I thought Harry Ke Harry Kellerman, because I've read his books. I actually read his books when I was a kid. Why? Oh, why do you ask? Because my mother was the temple librarian, and the books were all called Friday, the Rabbi Slept Late. Well, I was allowed to read those ones. They were mystery novels in the 70s. Rabbi David Small, I'll never forget. 
This is one of the things me and Atel bonded on when we first met. The Rabbi Small series began in 64 with the publication of Friday the Rabbi Slept Late, which I read, which became a huge bestseller, a difficult achievement for a religious mystery, and won Kel- Kemelin, a 19th, whatever, for his word. The Rabbi Small books are not only mysteries, but also considerations of conservative Judaism. But I remember them as a kid because that's what my mother would let me watch because she was a temple librarian. So you could be any more Jewy. Uh, so I remember Friday the Rabbi slept late. And I remember like, you know, when it came out because it's from the 60s into the 70s, it went until 78. He's got to finish the days of the week. He's got to finish the days of the week, right? You're like hoping he's going to live to finish the days of the week. And he did. He made it. So he started with Friday. Saturday, the rabbi went hungry. Those are the two books I read. When do you think that takes place? I believe on Yom Kippur. Sunday, the rabbi stayed home. Monday, the rabbi took off. Tuesday, the rabbi saw red. Must have been something bloody. Wednesday, the rabbi got wet. Sounds sexy. And Thursday, to complete the the seven-day trilogy, whatever, trilogy, whatever, the... The series arc. Thursday, the rabbi walked out. I guess he'd had enough. Now, the best part of this story is that NBC bought the rights to Friday the Rabbi Slept Late. Ten years later. I remember it. Again, me and Atel bonded on this because, because, (laughs) because, uh, Oh, I'm trying to figure out how to do it perfectly because <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, <coughs> it was part of uh, it was part of this. That's the best part, of course, is the ending. Tonight. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, here's like the other one. Well, here's the uh, the later version. It's a little more. Sorry about that. This one's a little more hip. This one gets serious. Oh. Dennis Weaver as McLeod. Rock Hudson as McMillan and wife, also starring Susan St. James. Tony Curtis is McCoy. 
But what's on tonight? I guess we'll find out. It's exciting every week. What's it going to be tonight? It's rotating. Tonight starring Peter Falk as Columbo. Oh, I was hoping. You never knew. You never knew. The rotating NBC Sunday Night Mystery Movie. You never knew what you were going to get. It was exciting, but you always hoped it was Columbo. Although the Rock Hudson one wasn't too bad. McLeod one I could do without. I think Spielberg directed a bunch of those. Oh, he obviously directed a bunch of Columbos. Actually, you can see. You can tell. I remember watching a Columbo once, and I one of the ones with, uh, you know, me and Artie's favorite uh, villain, uh, Jack Cassidy, David Cassidy's father. And I remember there was this shot, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, what a beautiful shot that is. I've never seen that in a television show. And then all of a sudden, I remember watching it as a kid, and, or later, you know, in the 80s. And then it says, it says, directed by Steven Spielberg. And I'm like, well, Jesus Christ, that makes sense. It's funny when you can tell that something's off from what you regularly see on television. You know, somebody took some time. Uh, so anyway, the point of the story is that uh, the show, Lanigan's Rabbi, joined the Sunday mystery movie, Art Carney in Lanigan's Rabbi. Well, let's hit that, uh, that post again then. Tonight, Art Carney as Lanigan's Rabbi. Tonight, starring Peter Falk as Columbo. Well, obviously, I don't have that one, but uh, but that's what they would say. Tonight, Art Carney as Lanigan's Rabbi. So, the police chief in the David Small Friday the Rabbi Slap Late books was called Lanigan. So, they decided to name Art Carney was the police chief, and and he'd get help from the rabbi who would use his. Um, his knowledge of the Talmud to solve crimes. Now, the best part is, people, if you want to laugh, if you're not feeling well, if you're in a bad mood, if you're riding the bus, if you're on your phone, if you're listening to this podcast, if you don't immediately Google Lanigan's rabbi right now and see the picture of Art Carney sitting in the back with his arms and his hand, you know, uh, on his chin, overlooking the rabbi and uh, over the menorah with his talis on. I'm telling you, if that doesn't make you laugh, then you're dead inside. It's the funniest picture I've ever seen. It's one of those things where I'm like, you're obviously joking. There's no way that this, you know, could exist. Uh, you know, this show doesn't make any sense. Uh, this could never have happened. It's it's ridiculous. And, um, oh, wait, it, you know what it reminds me of? I had the clip, but I also, um, here, I think I can get it from here. She was six feet of black dynamite. He was a short Hasidic Jew. She fought a savage battle to stay alive in the ghetto. He studied the Talmud at night. While she burned the ghetto to the ground, he kindled the Sabbath candles. was a love of passion, a torrent sensual lust, fueled by those who said no. Samuel L. Bronkowitz presents 
Cleopatra Schwartz. They alone dared to triumph in a hellish inferno of unrelenting desire. Never before has the screen unleashed such violent fury. Never again will one man and one woman defy such incredible odds. Together, no one could stop them. <clears throat> That's from uh, Kentucky Fried Movie, if you remember that one. Uh, you know, laughing so hard when I saw it in the movie theater. Kentucky Fried Movie, same guys that did Airplane and stuff. Cleopatra Schwartz, and it's all these scenes where the rabbis, you know, they or you know, husband is helping her with the bullets uh, and everything. It's really funny. And that's what it but that's what it reminds me of. While he was solving crimes, he kindled the Sabbath lights. This picture is so funny. So so the debut of Lanigan's Rabbi, a new entry in the NBC double feature Sunday mystery movie, had been struck in one of the most unenviable time slots in television history which is probably why you've never heard of it before, opposite the conclusion of Roots at 9.30 on Sunday on Channel 4. NBC decided it would be a good idea to put a new show about a rabbi and a police detective. I Clearly, NBC gave up just the way ABC did when the Cosby show was on. And they put on the Charmings, which is Snow White and and Prince Charming living together in a sitcom. That's the NBC gave up. They're like, well, what are we doing? Let's just put it on with Roots. We got we got to air something. We can't sign off. So it's like, yeah, it's unenviable. But I guess that was their plan. Let's put on the stupidest thing and to put on something Jewish, where they're just like, well, Jewish people don't care about Roots. I guess that's the only thing I can come up with. It's ironic somehow racist programming but uh yeah so it went nowhere uh and uh i'm trying to rabbis and believe the program it's a mystery um so the first the pilot had Stuart margolin who's uh you know a favorite of uh uh for the carney awards you know if he was still alive my god uh but he had to be replaced when they added it to the mystery movie lineup by or some guy but uh because he was on the rockford files you remember so i guess they did a couple of movies uh a couple of you know episodes i don't think it lasted very long it's very hard to find uh maybe they did eight to twelve episodes but the nbc mystery movie was very fascinating i certainly remember as a kid because you know everybody remembers the the opening as we just played you know it started mcleod colombo and mcmillan and wife for the first season and then and it was done as a a way to save money so they wouldn't have to do new series it was very brilliant and then they for some reason added that heck ramsey starring richard boone i remember that was a gunfighter turned frontier forensic detective in the old west yipes so then what they decided to do they're like you know i got a good idea let's try nbc wednesday mystery movies and so they lost banachek which you probably do remember with George Pappard and Cool Millions starring James Farentino as a former CIA agent turned private investigator. They're all private investigators. Banachek was an insurance investigator. He was a freelance Polish-American insurance investigator in Boston. And Madigan, Richard Widmark, reprising his 68 film as a streetwise veteran detective of the NYPD. And, uh, 
Because they're all canceled. And then the second season, they added on Faraday and Company. Starring Dan Daly as a private detective who returns to Los Angeles for a quarter of a century in a South American jail. Which is odd, because I thought he was black, but it turns out Tenafly, starring James McKitchin as an African-American private detective. Then they, they upped their game. Tenafly. James McKitchin is Tenafly. And then here's the best one. You ready for this one? This is on the Wednesday night mystery movie. How did this not last? Oh, the Snoop Sisters. The Snoop Sisters, starring Helen Hayes and Mildred Natwick as two elderly sisters who routinely found mysteries which they solved. You heard me right. Now, the funny thing is, that's in the 70s, and we're all laughing. Meanwhile, then Angela Lansbury comes up with Murder, She Wrote, and it's a huge hit for like 12 years. So they were technically on the right path, but they were just using the wrong person. Nobody cares about Helen Hayes. Well, Angela Lansbury's a joy. Are you talking about the first lady of the American theater, Helen Hayes? The Snoop Sisters? <laughs> That's why you got to bring it back. George Papad is Batacek. James McKetchin as Tenafly. And the First Lady of American Theater, Helen Hayes. The Snoop Sisters. And of course, tonight's episode, Art Carney is Lanigan's Rabbi. Also starring Stuart Margolin. And then uh, later on, they added Quincy to that. Did you know that Quincy was part of that lineup too? Jack Klugman is Quincy M.E. And that one became popular and it spun off into its own complete series. But it started in 77, the fourth series, the Tuesday night mystery movie. (laughs) On the Sunday, Amy Prentice starring Jessica Walter as the fictional first female chief of detectives for the San Francisco Police Department. Look how they put in the fictional first, uh, made sure. Uh, we're just kidding. We know there's not an actual female chief of detectives. Don't worry, everybody. And then Tony Curtis as McCoy. Now, of course, we remember that one because we remember all the mix. That was the thing. Before there was YouTube, before you could go back, before there was VCRs, we knew about McLeod, McMillan and Wife, and McCoy because it was part of the mix. There was always mix, mix, mix. And then the joke that me and Atel when we first, you know, got together was McLeod, McCoy, McMillan, and Lanigan's Rabbi. You know, that was the joke. The three Irish ones and Lanigan's Rabbi. And that's why what makes, um, and I don't know whether I have it, because I think I told you, I, I, maybe I lost it, I don't know. But that's what makes, you, you know, Rob Smigel again, uh, such a genius. Let's see if I have that. When, you know, Look Well does it. No, nah, I lost it. Uh, I'll get it back. Don't worry, buddy. But um, that's what makes Look Well so genius, because he uses all those. goes, no, that was, oh, were you Banachek? No, that was George Papard. Oh, that's right. You were Madigan. No, that was Richard Widmark. I was Brannigan. I had a sheepdog. 
Wait, were you the Snoop sisters with Helen Hayes? No, that was Mildred Natwick. I was Brannigan. Lanigan's rabbi will continue in a moment. I'm fascinated by that, by the way. Also, uh, hold on a second. There's they had Quincy Jones. That uh, the one we were just listening to is Henry Mancini, but apparently Quincy Jones did a version. It's hard to find. Uh, Quincy Jones did a version of the Wednesday night mystery movie. They tried to update it. Let me see if I can get it. It's a horrible recording of it, but there it is. That's the Quincy Jones version of the when the Wednesday night mystery movie. And you know, again, Quincy Jones is the shit. It's it's a fact, and you can all you have to do is listen to that whatever that Austin Powers one is. That's you know terrific. Uh, but let's face it. I mean this this theme rules, and I don't know how you could think that anything could be better than this. I mean. You know, again, before VCRs and before DVRs and YouTube, I re- this song was in my head for the rest of my life. I used to walk around with a flashlight as a kid and, and whistle this. Who win it? Everybody did. It's my age, right? How would you know? Well, maybe you didn't because you're not as crazy as I am. But here, oh, here's what I want. I want to make my own opening for that. You know, it's the flashlight and then the, the sketches. So it's so easy to do. I just want to do it with comedians. I've been planning it for a long time. I think I need Memo's help for it. But, uh, you know, I figure it'll be, uh, you know, me, Atel, and, you know. Let's see. David Cheskow as Cardigan. I figure I'd be Cardigan. I'll just, I always wear Cardigan sweaters. That's how I solve crimes. David Tell as McBride. Damn it, McBride, you you ruined everything. Shut up. Sarah Silverman as Jessica Wentworth. Because you got the girls always had to have the full names for some reason. Colin Quinn as Weisberg and Son. Also starring Joe Mackey. Come on, that's hilarious. That is hilarious. And I get all their silhouettes up on the screen. Tonight. Colin Quinn is Weisberg and son. Colin Quinn, the one Irish guy being a Jew. Come on, this is this stuff writes itself. It's Columbo. I gotta get that. Is that guy still alive? That can do that voice. Oh, oh my God! Is, are you telling me that's not one of the most hilarious one-minute YouTube clips you've ever seen in your life? Yes, it, it it will be. I have to do this. It is my job. It's so obvious. I have to do it. I just 
have to do it. It's hard to do stuff, you know? It's hard to get stuff accomplished. It's hard. I don't know why it just is. One other news story before we leave. Uh, There was a story this weekend, or last, uh, this week rather, this girl, Jacqueline Kent Cook. She was the daughter of the late NFL Redskins owner, Jack Kent Cook. She's a socialite. She's very pretty. She's 28. Apparently, went into this restaurant, Caravaggio, on East 74th Street, right up the street from my house. Strangest thing, this guy, this attorney, his name is Habercorn, he's visiting from San Francisco, he's dining with his wife, mom, and four daughters at this restaurant, and this woman, Jacqueline Cook, starts hitting them with anti-Semitic slurs as his mom was exiting for some reason. He said, I went to the bathroom... And she made a comment to my mother, hurry up, you Jew, as she was getting her jacket. I mean, the girl was obviously inebriated, you know. Cook then allegedly told Habercorn's mother to use some of your money and get a nose job. So when he confronted the girl, she, she swung this bag. She has like a glass bag and it totally cut his face open. Uh, the purse appeared to be a Lulu Guinness Chloe Mirror Perspex clutch, which sells for about 425 Habercorn said the woman's boyfriend then got involved and Cook struck him again. The boyfriend also apparently mocked Habercorn's daughters by saying happy bat mitzvah girls. Who the fuck are these people? Who does that in New York City anymore? Also, this girl's so crazy, she's representing herself in court. I just saw the follow-up on that. And they're like, you should really get a lawyer. Obviously, something is wrong. But it's just weird. It's You know, what's... You know, this happens and, you know, we live with it for years. It's certainly probably not as bad as it is, or maybe it's worse. Who knows? Uh, you know, I've experienced that in my life. Me and Atel always have. and You know, we always used to tell people about it, but nobody understands unless you're in it. But, you know, I got to say, I always let that stuff slide off, whatever it is. But if you're going to say that to my mother, man, that's that would break my heart. I, you know, what's funny is because if that happened, you know, my mother has been the one that's been telling me, you know, I told you before on this podcast, she goes, you know, if anybody ever calls you a dirty Jew, you just walk the other way, you just let it go. And I'm like, who the fuck is going to call me a dirty Jew? Who who says that? You know, not until 2000 when those girls in Florida called me a dirty Jew. I said, my mother always said what I said. You know, it's like all those things your mother tells you about anti-Semitism. Ah, shut up, you old bat. And then all of a sudden, a week ago, I'm sitting at dinner with my mother. Can you imagine if I was with my mother and that happens? And then my mother, like everything she said was right. You know, I'd feel horrible. Like she would need this at the end of her life. You got to have uh, some fucking whore, some white whore who's, who's rich, you know, and, and lucky enough to be the Redskins owner's daughter. And then she's like, come on, you Jew. Why are they so angry? She's carrying a $400 purse. Eating at a nice place. She looks amazing. She's wearing this amazing dress. She's ridiculously hot. What's she so angry about? Something must have happened that day. And then her boyfriend gets involved. Have a nice bar mitzvah, girls. Jesus Christ. I mean, that's got to be where something that day, 
some Jew must have messed up their, their day somehow. I don't know. That's, <coughs> that's just very odd. That's very odd. Uh, but, you know, it's the stuff we like to bring up on the show because it's fun. And it's fun to talk about the news and it's fun to talk about everything because you know what's fun? This podcast. It's fun to do this podcast. I love doing the podcast. Even if I'm not well, I'm going to still always try and bring you the podcast because the podcast rules. And it was a beautiful day. and We had a good time today. I'd like to thank my guests, uh, Mr. John Buddy, for calling it. And uh, go Pats. <laughs> Why not? Listen, I want to make money. I don't get the Jets can go screw themselves. I'm going Pats all the way. Everybody else can really go screw themselves. I don't know why this is my new theme song, but it is. Well, for today. Donald Fagan, why not? The Adventure of the Nightfly. This one, uh, actually, I believe from the Michael J. Fox movie called Bright Lights, Big City, maybe? Anyway, hey, everybody. This has been the Night Fly with Dave Jeska. I hope everybody really had a terrific new year. I hope that 2018 just really brings happiness and joy to everyone, including myself in that, because why shouldn't I? And uh, listen, we've got... <laughs> hey, Bobby Brady, uh, or Peter Brady, is, is, your voice is finally cracking? It's all right, well, I'll get off on the pavement. Uh, I'm I was mixing up the SCTV and the Peter Brady stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, I was doing my Ernie Douglas, which everybody loved in 1985. <laughs> anyway, 2018 hopefully will bring greatness and great podcast times and guests and fun and my new comedy album called Love It or Leave It. I'm just making up stuff as I go, you know. I still always want to call everything. Get ready to laugh. Get ready to laugh two. Get ready to laugh three. And of course, probably what I'm going to call the album. Led Zeppelin 4, side 2. Or is it side 1? I can't remember. I'll get it right. Anyway, everybody, I hope you had a great day. I hope you're having a great day. I hope you have a great week. And I'll see you next week. Probably alone again, but we'll get all the guests you need. Don't worry. Everything is going to happen, and it's all going to happen because it's an even-numbered year, and those are always the best ones. We'll see you next time on The Nightfly with Dave Juskow. Have a great week, everybody. Social.